podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Not Europe. That was really <laughs> that's beautifully harmonised. That was great. Um, it's pod. Yes, not Europe this week, but next week, who knows? Um, it's pod three seven eight, and it's the week the Palace have lost at home four one to Chelsea. Uh, joining me is Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello there. How you doing? All right, thank you. Except um, my ears are cold. I've had my lockdown haircut, so I'm quite pleased to have these big old-fashioned 1970s headphones on. You look, you look great. You just look, you look, you I look, look happy. Like, you, you, I look like an elderly Craig David. I know what I look like. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen it. Oh, now I can't not <laughs> see it. <laughs> That's great. But anyway, Kevin will be filling us in later. That's a Craig David song. Um, we also mm. Jesse Boyce is here. Hello to you. How you doing, JD? I'm just a bit disappointed you didn't book us a pub garden for this one. <laughs> <Should've> <laughs> <be freezing. done. laughs> have you got Jess, have you got a hair, haircut booked in? Uh yeah, May the 16th. <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay, good. Yeah, you, you hang on to that hair. Um and joining us this week, uh, it's one of our patron legends, second appearance on the pod. It's the one and only Mike Clark. Mike, hello, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, JD. It's uh, good to be back. It's different from the last one. Um, actually, face to face, the last one. It's, uh, Zoom's a little bit different, oh. but uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it was all good Kevin, though. <laughs> Kevin's wiping away a tear from the memories of us being in the studio. Uh, actually, no, it's, it's, hair, it's hair for my haircuts. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for a moment, oh, for a moment, I thought we were having a bit. We of a moment could be now. face to face soon in the in the pausons. It would have been freezing. Imagine if we booked it today. We'll, we'll book the pausons garden, and we'll be sitting out there freezing cold. Maybe when the sun when the sun's out again, we'll do we'll do a pub garden episode or something. That'd be nice. It'd be nice to be up together. Yeah, it's it's hopefully it's on the horizon and not too far away. Now, speaking of the summer, guys, we know it's a big summer for Palace to get their house in order this summer. And speaking of which, this is ten. When it comes to mortgages, we're delighted. To, I, I think I'm quite proud of that. Uh, to be sponsored. Uh, once again, by Eternity Home Finance, a Croydon-based palace-supporting family-run mortgage and protection advisors. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP if you want to get your house in order and if they want to use that as a tagline, uh, I will give them an invoice. Um, <laughs> listen, we've got one patron on, but we're, as ever, we do a shout-out to a random patron. Uh, it wouldn't be random if it was Mike. So let's do another person. So can I get an applause? I mean, maybe it is. Let's see what happens. Uh, can I get applause then for a random patron, please? 
Mr. Mike Clark. Just joking. Hey. And it's Mr. Uh, Nick Conway. Hey, hi, Nick. Hey. Hello, Nick. And you can join uh, the patron like uh, Nick and Mike uh, and get all the rewards that entails, which includes the post-match podcast, uh, which, which I will say are very, very good at the moment. Uh, the bits when Dom and Celsius are not when I'm on, but they are excellent. Um, patron-only merchandise, new run coming at the end of this month, um, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club, which I checked this morning um, after having nodded to my phone for a little bit. 200 messages. Uh, so it does get very busy indeed in there. So anyway, if that sounds like something you'd be into, go to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and you can sign up. Um, right, Kevin, hmm. let's talk about this home defeat to Chelsea. 4-1, Chelsea racing into a very quick lead and Palace as ever then having to try and come back and, and not doing enough. Um, it was a poor performance from Palace. It was a good performance from Chelsea and we know they were looking for a reaction to that West Brom game um, and they were very, very good from the start. Was it more Palace being bad or more Chelsea being good? Yeah, it was It was Palace being bad. I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea were a very, very good side. First time they scored two goals in a game under Tuchel since he took them over. I, I think... All the things we've spoken about this season, Palace, all the negative things, all came together in one half in a perfect shitstorm, basically. I've written, I've had to write some of them down and then cross some of them out because we we haven't got time for all the things. But it's picking the same team, the same formation, the same tactics, no matter who we're playing against. No creativity or legs in midfield, no defensive cover for an ageing, stretched back four complete reluctance by the management team to recognise something that was going on. It's just just everything, just everything that could go wrong and all the things that we've spoken about that sometimes one happens in a game or two happens, but they all happened in that first half. And just just after 10 minutes, Eze can't defend. As simple as that. Right? And we had this argument last week about you've got Batshuayi, who's a player who only scores goals. So find a way to get him in the team and score goals. If you've got a player who can't defend, but he's brilliant up front, don't put him in a situation where I think Sky said 78% of the time Eze got the ball in his own half and 40% in his own defensive third. It was quite, it seemed obvious what to do. Drop, get, get Ayu off, put Eze where Ayu was and put Schluck where Eze is. And then that way you've got defensive cover down that left-hand side and you've got Eze kills in their defenders' problems. But instead, Hodgson and Lewington just watched it. It could have been six or seven in at halftime. And you just felt for, you felt for all the players. Gaeta looked nervous. I think Gaeta's probably put, needs to put his hand up for two or three of the goals. He could have done better. No no Palace player came out of that first half of any credit. Wilf was the Wilf we see every now and again where right from the start he looked like he would rather be playing for the other team and sulked all the way through. Benteke couldn't hold the ball. And the, and the one part in the second half when we did do what we think we can do, right, we scored a goal and then decided that we had no need to do that again for the rest of the game. It's, that first half was put... And it's, yeah, Chelsea were a good side. But once again we looked like a team who were newly promoted to the Premier League who were baffled by a really good Premier League team rather than a team that's coming up for their eighth season so there, you can't make excuses for that first half it was and I felt for, for all of them I felt for Wardy in particular who was just totally stretched and I felt for I felt for Eze who's not he's not a defender he shouldn't be put in a situation where he's having to do all that work in front of Van Arnold and he's and he's Causing problems every time the ball went near. You know, Kiatis had a good season at centre half, but he gave free kick after free kick away. It's just all the things, all the things we've moaned about individually, all came together wrongly in that first half. It was it was embarrassing. I thought there's a lot to unpick there. I want to come back to Guaita <laughs> in a bit. 
I, I disagree with you on that, but I do want to come back to, to Guaita in a bit. I want to come back to this idea that we we have this one good game, one bad game, one good game, one good. We can't seem to get some sort of consistency going. But Eze might. Let's talk about Eze because yeah. he was he was one of the players. I mean, he was definitely at fault for the first goal. I think it was a bit collective as well because I think um, Cahill went to clear it and whacked it at him. And then a combination of PVA and Gyro sort of both lost Havertz as he drifted in. So it's collective. But obviously, Eze, before that, a few minutes before that, he had also lost the ball deep in his own half as well. And he does sort of have a habit. We we talked last week about how good he was going forward, holding on to it at the right times, releasing at the right times. But but this time playing 30 yards further back, it was it was way too dangerous. What what do you do with a player like Eze, who we know is talented, we know is developing, mm. and we know as a result we're gonna have games where he makes muck-ups as part of that development. But how do you manage that as a because we want younger players in the team. That's what we said. We want to lower the lower the age and do that. Is is it a case of management almost giving over over responsibility to him, putting him in the wrong position for a game like this? As Kevin says, a great as a great team who will punish those mistakes. Oh, I think it's a it's a classic one. Where everyone says he's he, he's got to play to learn. Roy said he's got to learn the 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 hard bits, the bits that he probably didn't have to do at QPR. Roy's also said that it took. Townsend and Slup years to learn that role. So, and is he going to learn that on the bench against sides like uh, Chelsea? And Chelsea were outstanding in that first 15 minutes. They didn't give us a kick. They didn't give him any time on the ball. They'd obviously done their homework and so put us on the back foot and we're going to capitulate. And we did. And the game was over after that, that first mistake. Um, there's the arguments with should Slup have started? Was Schlupp fit enough to start? There's those questions as well. But I think with Eze, his first season was always going to be that. It was either going to come out the blocks like an absolute sort of uh, legend in yeah. and go from thing, or he was going to, which is what he's been this year, he's been a bit hit or miss. Um, he's been great in some games. He's been uh, gone missing in other games. And that's a, that's a young player stepping up from the championship to the premiership in a side that really doesn't have a lot of possession for him to do his thing in. And when he has had that opportunity, um, we'll all sort of hop back to the Sheffield United game, the free kick against Leeds, um, that uh, shimmy and shot against Wolves, all those sorts of things. But he does does do what he did on Saturday. He, he likes to try and play his way out of trouble. And when you're uh, in that position where he was, it should have been Rose Ed, old school. As uh, I think it was as Selzy said, it's not fashionable to do it. You've got to try and play your way out nowadays. And in some circumstances, that's not really the right thing to do. Um, it's one of those ones with 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 Eze. If he doesn't play, everyone's going to be on Roy's back um, in these sorts of things. So you've got to learn. I think you just let him let him learn or. As uh, Dom said, you play him further forward. That's, um, it, that's exactly it, Mike. It's not. It's not a question of whether he should play. He's one of the best players we've got already in, in the first season. Of course, he should play. It's where you play him. Yeah, play him where he can cause some uh, a cause some danger. B mm. give their defenders a problem, and C not give a goal away every time he gives the ball away in that in that situation. We didn't. Why? Which of us wanted as they brought in, brought in and think right? Give him two or three years so he learns the defensive part of the game. He's, we don't want him as that sort of player. Yeah. QPR, QPR fan, every QPR fan tells us the one place not to play him is, is just wide on the left in a four four two. That's where we play him all the time, and that's fine against Sheffield United and, and Wolves and Leeds where he can sort of improvise and come inside. Play 
playing. Ayu's not bringing anything to the team in that position. That no, there's no. There's, you can't put your finger on what position it is. And Ayu's working hard, all right, but he's working hard mm. in the wrong place. Put put Eze up there, and at least their central defenders can't then spend the game wandering aimlessly into the you know to midfield when they were when they wanted to, because they had nothing to stop them doing that. It's, that makes no sense to me, and it's it's only going to affect his confidence if he's. Yeah. If he's it's like doing that, and he's you know, if he's not putting it into Rose Ed, then he's not being trained to put it into Rose Ed. It's, it just makes no sense to me, though. Well, I think there's an element of uh, uh that's exacerbated by having PVA behind him, as yeah, we know, he's got, a, <laughs> got an aversion to defending sometimes. I think there's yeah. a difference if you had a, a schlup either behind him or uh Tyrick, who's a much more solid, yeah. dependable yeah. defender that allows Eze to actually learn that trade it's a bit bit like Aaron Wambasaka having Townsend to help him out in that that learning period PVA is not that sort of defender and there's the other argument there is would somebody like what we said with with uh the likes of Mitchell when he first came into the side he had Sacco there and um, Tompkins to help him coach through the game you can't see Chiarty doing that sort of thing because there's an argument that he's still learning the centre-half, centre-back role, as much as he plays it at uh, international level, it's a bit different week in, week out. He's there to be that little bit of pace that we lack with our other centre-backs because there's an argument on Saturday that we, we miss that third person in the centre of the park yeah. to kind of nullify there yeah. the Jorginho-type thing. But if yeah. you replace <clears throat> Czech with Scott or Martin Kelly, we've got no pace at the back. Um, and again, the, the, the fourth goal was really Joel being found out, lacking for pace against, uh, who was it, scored the fourth? Pulisic. Um, Pulisic, yeah. He was, he was, they were level when that race started and Joel was three, four yards behind by the time uh, Pulisic put it in the back of the goal. And that's the problem. That's why we're having to sit so deep sometimes and we haven't got the pace on on the pitch without the lights just slapped to, to then move forward. So we're kind of digging ourselves a hole with those sorts of selections, but it all comes down to the squad again. Um, do we really have enough cover at the moment to, to really make that many changes? But I do think that playing PVA with Eze does make that left side very soft. And you can see most teams, once they see that, they, they just push down that side which they did with Hudson-Odoi. Yeah. And he gets lots of space. There's so much space for the switch. You can see it in the comms. They were saying the, the, the diagonal ball to Hudson-Odoi was on all day. All time. Uh, and it was every every time. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, Jesse, I don't want to hammer Eze too much because obviously there were 10 other players on the pitch on Saturday who also weren't very good. You know, it wasn't the only person that didn't play very well. It was just that mistake obviously got punished. Um, Kevin obviously mentioned Guaita there, uh, who... We're not the only person to criticise him because Graham Souness absolutely hammered him at halftime and said he was at fault for, I think, all, pretty much all three goals. Um, we had a question from Aaron Morris who says, uh, Hi, Aaron. Great has been classed at times and kept us in games, but why does he not come and catch the ball five yards out for the Zuma header? I think that that's, I would say, Jesse, the, Zoom, the Zuma goal is probably the one where he is probably most at fault. Uh, first one, I think he sort of can't see it as it's coming, possibly blindsided by his own defender. What are your thoughts on, on Great at the weekend? Because he did also... Keeper, as Kevin said, could have been five or six, kept us in it with some some other, you know, classic way to saves. 
Well, I think as broadly, we were second best in in most scenarios throughout the game. So I think kind of guys, it just falls into that by default a little bit. It's just one thing leads to the other. I mean, you, the Zuma header was actually an amazing, amazing leap. Like you could see Cahill was only angry at himself. You know, he was just, he was so furious that he'd been outlept for that goal. And I don't know, I feel like headers on the six yard line, with any kind of pace, you're either in the in the mix to try and contest the ball, or you're at the mercy of, of where it ends up. So I don't know what Kaita could have done having not gone for the ball. Um, I think the first goal there was enough curl on it from Havertz just just to get it around. It was it was close enough just to, just to kind of not blame him for it. Um, but I, I think. The worst thing about the, I agree. Let's not hammer Eze too much. I feel like even when Mazaka got sent off in his first season for some sort of push against Man United from memory, or, or was it someone else? You know, Liverpool, like you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, was it? Yeah, that's it. Salah. So, yeah, that, okay. It was a dirty dive. I remember that. So, <laughs> you know, so you expect you expect some sort of learning to be done in real time with with young players in their first season. Uh, but I think the worst thing that Eze was guilty of was ball watching. Once he'd given it away, he was a little bit too focused on trying to get the ball back than tracking Havertz, who dispossessed him. Because um, you can't really blame Reader World for not picking him up. It was definitely Eze, lost the ball, was focused on the ball and forgot about the man that had just nicked it off him. And that, I think that's another thing he was guilty of. And then just, just back to this theme of every, us being second best, I think there was a chance that Mount had simply because Zaha didn't track his run. Um, which made made you want to blame PVA at first, but if you look, Zaha didn't track him when he should have just kept with him. And then, as Mike just said, Wardy as well, second best at the end there as well. So it just looked like we were just really just finding it hard to keep up and the scoreline. And just, you know, we had one shot, one goal. They had twenty three shots. You know, completely outclassed. It's just good. to me. It's just got all the hallmarks of Palace just. Sort of spluttering over the finish line towards the end of the season again, having run out of steam. So I don't know if there's much to circle back on Gaeta. I don't know if he's guilty of anything out of the ordinary, given everything else we saw across the across the park. On the I thought Gaeta and Cahill looked nervous right from the kickoff together, mm. as though they they knew what was coming, as though they looked at Chelsea and thought they seemed to be in the mood. But the the, the first goal, Gaeta was just overcompensated on his near post. He was so worried about being beaten on the near post that he stepped too far across. The third goal is really powerful, but it went through him a little bit. The header, if he doesn't come for that header, he's got to stop it. It was straight at him. It's as simple as that. But it's not... They also made three or four world-class saves. The the thing with Eze, no one's having to go at Eze. I'm not having to go at Eze. I'm having to go at the coaches. Because, you know, we talk about Wan-Bissaka. If Wan-Bissaka was was making his mistakes uh, in the centre-forward situation, you'd be going... What, what, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't. But he was making his mistakes as, as a right back, and you go fine. He's learning his trade mm. as a right back. I don't want to see Eze as a defensive left-sided wing back or left-sided winger. That's that's what's annoying me. Of course, he's going to make mistakes there because that's not what he's where mm. he's supposed to play. And I don't think that's why we where we bought him. It's, again, we talk about having Mike talks about having three three centre backs. It's one of those games again. Horses, of course, we did. We needed an extra body in midfield for that game. We needed three in midfield, so don't play four four two in that particular game. 
don't mm. because Benteke is doing all right. Don't play just don't play Benteke just because he's been doing all right. Find another way of playing the game, and that's that's what frustrated me. It's like you 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 can't really blame the players for for not being better than they are, mm. or for being blamed out of position. You you can blame ten years of, of recruitment for that if you want to get into that. But it, it, the, it's, it's the worst the worst thing of all the things we talked about is the fact that they just did nothing to change it. And it was obvious what had to be changed. And it was to, I don't think there's any other management team. And when when Roy gets it right, as he often does, and I'm sure we'll we'll have the usual conversations about whether he's going to be our manager next season. And I, I wouldn't. It, I really wouldn't worry me if he if he is. But sometimes he's something's got to change in that coaching team somewhere. There's got to be more dynamism. There's got to be more. Yeah, it's got to be more reactive. As simple as that. There's the whole world's watching. That was embarrassing. That first half. Well, it would have been embarrassing if we were just if it was our first season in the Premier League. That was, it was. You, you just feel so kind of helpless watching it because you think, well, you know, you're a good manager. You know, you, you only have to look at David Moyes. But you know, we'll have this discussion about we need to change the manager. So West Ham, when when West Ham Moyes was first managing West Ham, they didn't play the way they're playing now. They've brought him, they've brought him back, and they've obviously said to him, we need to change the way we play football. That's what we need to say to Roy. If Roy's our manager next season, we need to say to him, look, we, you can have the money, you can bring your players in, but every now and again, you've got to find a different way of playing because at the moment, we're getting battered by anybody that's got a little bit more class than us. We're fine. We're, we're fine against the teams around us and against the teams below us. But that's a reflection of the quality of the Premier League, not a quality of the reflection hmm. of how good we are. Yeah, I mean, um, there is an air of... Well, after the game, Roy did say apparently in his post-match that in hindsight he would have picked different personnel, which I'm guessing is a, an allusion to Schlupp over Eze, possibly. Because yeah. when Schlupp came on, I'd say that change was made, and we were we were more direct and had more dy- dynamism. Yeah. And, and Schlupp he sets up the goal, and you realise we have really missed that sort of thrust from 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 Schlupp. So Roy did sort of concede that after the game, but but obviously that was sort of too little too late late by then. But there is an air of uncertainty around the club at the moment it's 12 13 players out of contract the manager out of contract and phillips von david one of our listeners says is the poor commitment and effort due to future contracts and i think mike it would be no no one here is 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 claiming the players don't try and there's no commitment or effort but when you've got that air of uncertainty players not sure if they're going to get a new deal if they're moving on the manager not sure that at some point has an effect on things on the pitch. And as Jesse says, they were, they were ball watching at the weekend. They were off the pace. And mm. at some point when the culture around the club is one of uncertainty and not sure what's happening, well then that uncertainty and not sure what's happening ends up on the pitch. And when you play a team as good as Chelsea, they, they punish you for it. it certainly can't help, can it? Um, and if the rumours are true that they're not being told anything, no one's got an idea of whether they're, be, they're playing for a contract, whether they might as well not be playing for a contract. Um, it's only going to make the, the, the atmosphere around the, 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 the supporters bad because people want to know what's going on. People want to know who to support, who to write off. Um, but from a, from a sort of sports psychology point of view, it's not going to help. Um, and you, you're going to start to see who are the real professionals and who are the ones that are, okay, well, the grass might be greener there type of scenarios. Um, it's a difficult one from, uh, as Kev will know, from the financial side is, do they make those decisions once they're mathematically sure that they're going to get the Premier League money next year? Uh, is it been engineered to allow them to clear the decks if need be? No one's 
communicating so no one really knows what's going on but from a sort of coming from a sports background it as a player that can't help you if you don't know whether you're going to be getting a contract whether you're going to have to up sticks and move your family because that's that's what's likely to happen there's not going to be many of them that are going to stay in london um so again it's going to just be a, an air around the training ground of well, who is getting a contract who's not getting a contract um who am i going to be playing for next year uh if i do stay and if i have signed a contract am i going to get played because roy might not be here it's just going to create a whole whole raft of uncertainty amongst the players um and again, you will get that sort of Chinese whispers, I assume, of, well, I've heard he's going to get a contract or not get a contract. And I think we as fans would love it to be sorted out, but I'm sure the players really need it sorted out. And whether whether Wilf stays, whether Roy stays, those sorts of things, they're going to be factors that the other players who are being asked to potentially have a contract to want to know as well. So it's all, again, it's that whole sort of thing in juggling act. And I'm sure Steve's, and Dougie are working on it, but we need some sort of clarity. Um, otherwise, we're just going to see a, a potentially another, considering the games we've got, of another pretty miserable five or six weeks of football to watch. Um, the, like the, the, the sad fact is for a lot of our players that are out of contracts, I don't think they're worrying about where they're going to be going because hmm. I don't think eight or nine of them, I don't think anyone's going to be banging down the door for any of them. To be perfectly honest, I think the big worry is, like most employees in in any job during a pandemic, they're worried about whether or not they've got a job at Palace next season. Not not where they're going. And that's, if that hasn't been sorted out, then that's shameful, to be perfectly honest. But but Mm. I don't know, I mean, the odd thing is as well, for all the negativity and criticism coming from me, it's, it's only six days ago that we were talking about a good performance at Goodison Park. There was no hint then that the commitment or the energy was no. was less. Yeah. It just it it just it looked like we weren't ready to play Chelsea. And I don't know if that's anything to do with them worrying about contract. It's just for whatever reason, uh, and Cahill was indicating that as well. Apparently Cahill went nuts at half time and it just seemed like they weren't they're on the beach if anything. It's like yeah. it, and it it's, as Mike and Jesse alluded to, it's it's a little bit like after the Bournemouth game last season. It's felt it almost felt like well we've got the point last week that's probably kept us safe. We're not mm-hmm. going to beat Chelsea. So, but whereas we all said after last week's pod, well, great, let's take that Everton performance. Yeah, yeah. let's let's get off on the right foot against Chelsea. Let's and in within five minutes, we knew the game was lost. Before just, they scored, even we was going to lose that game. It's simple as that. Yeah, there was a guy that tweeted us actually from FYP saying, "I w- I stopped watching after four minutes." I said, "Mate, it was nil. It was nil nil after four minutes." <laughs> He's right. He was like, "I could just tell. I could just tell." <laughs> and in many ways, he was right. It is weird because obviously, end of the season is traditionally when we have our sort of burst and we start to really relax and play great football and get some good results and everything becomes entertaining. But it's it's obviously it's 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 different this season. You know, everything's in reverse yeah. really. So um, anyway, but speaking of things not being in reverse and going forward. Does that work? Yeah, it kind of works. Um, we're going to move on to part two. Before we do that, I've had a question from Achini. Who says, can we just say, good goal, Christian. Great to see Raksaki on the bench and just write off the rest of the match. I should have said that at the start of the pod, Achini. Yeah. Apologise. We've had to uh, we've had to go through it. But um, 
In part two, we've got a clip from our patron that we mentioned at the start of the pod. So from our post-match patron pod, this is uh, Rob, uh, Don Firefield, and Adam Sells uh, chatting about that Chelsea game of the weekend. If you like what you hear in the next bit, go to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and you can sign up and get the post-match pods hours after the games happen each week. But uh, if you're a... If you're already a patron, by the way, on this version, you won't hear this because you've heard it already. So you go straight into part three. But if you're not a patron, here is a clip from our post-match patron pod. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. But it's also, I mean, we keep saying this, but and and Hodge, Roy has actually defended this um, in terms of attitude, and I think, as you said, part of the part of the problem today was, you know, when you look back in hindsight, you see the players kind of drip drab, but it was there, there's no excuse for a, for a professional football player to consistently lose possession like Luca did in the middle during the first half. There's no excuse to, to consistently misplace passes. And I mean that in the sense that these aren't just, these aren't like difficult passes that he's having to string through. These are simple passes that, that we kept being caught out with. These are players being caught in possession when, Again, it's that meandering kind of slow. They were gone, didn't they? They'd absolutely yeah. gone. There was that, that moment that IU played the ball out, a diagonal pass out, perfectly, perfectly, like precision, perfect between Wilf and Benteke, so neither of them could get it, and it went straight out of play. And it prompted two or three Palace players to start screaming at each other on that pitch and yeah. having a right. And that was just that was at two 0 and it was a the whole thing was a picture of frustration. They all just so absolutely absolutely exasperated with each other, with the way they were playing, with the way that they couldn't summon a response to a bloody good, frantic Chelsea performance where they were swarming all over them. Every time Luca picked up possession, again, he had two players on him. Yeah. You know, when, when Mason Mount picked up possession, Palace's, Palace players weren't near him. They, they, it was, everything was wrong about it. Would you say it's a little bit concerning for, for all of these players to have this kind of simmering undercurrent of frustration that that every now and then you know there, there'll be spells where Palace do do well and they have like a four or five game spell where things kind of click a little bit and we, we pick up some points and it, it you know the last five games they've not been dreadful there have been times when when you know before, we've we've done enough to get the points that we've needed to stay up and that's ultimately what matters but it does feel like there have been times this season where you've got that tension and that kind of anger in the team where they almost I think the last time they had it was I can't remember which game it was, but they ended up saying that they had to have a, a chat. They all had to talk about it. They all worked out, you know, they, they basically had a big discussion at the training ground about it, it and Burnley, a big argument. Yeah. I think it was Burnley. And yet we, it feels like this was one of those again, where, but it's what happens at a mid table team. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that if you have four or five games where you only lose one, which is I think pretty much what palace has just gone through, then that, that will be enough to, 
to get you into mid-table. It's also indicative of a team where half the squad doesn't know what's going on next season. Yeah. I mean, that's just that has to be a part of it. It's not going to make relations within the setup particularly uh, comfortable. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, I think Roy's let that slip a few times of late with some of his press briefings as well. He's it's it's not it's not an easy situation for anybody to be in and. But, you know, weirdly, I don't actually think that that was that was an outstanding performance from from Chelsea. But my frustration is that that Palace didn't do enough um, to make them need to be outstanding to beat us because they really didn't need to be. I mean, they... It was. It was. That was livid. I wanted to, us to lay a glove on them today. That was. That was. That was the thing that was I desperately wanted to see, and we we didn't until it was the game had, had long gone. And even then, we only had one shot in the entire match. Yeah, I think. I think. Um, I'll go back to my sort of stay in the game comment earlier when you were talking about that. In order to beat these teams, you're never going to out football them, as you've seen today. Right? They're better than us. They're much better than that. When you get results against this team, these teams, you have to be very athletic and match them physically. So even if you can't match them in terms of quality, you've got to have really athletic players and get in people's faces and make life difficult for them. And two, you then need the the, the Andros Townsend Wilfred. I was thinking about the game Roy's first win in charge home to Chelsea with Wilfred and Andros Townsend being an absolute handful for, for Chelsea. I think had Gary Cahill and David Luiz playing centre half that day and um, and we got at them and caused them some problems. And the, the, the reason I come back to the stay in the game thing is the worst thing you can do when you're playing a top team is concede two goals early in a game or even one because the minute they get a foothold in the game all the confidence starts to run through the veins of those players that have got tremendous talent so suddenly they're all cock a hoop and playing with their tails up it's a different team to the one you're playing if you get the first goal when it all gets a little bit frustrating and they're finding it very very difficult but you've got to sort of be in their faces and beat them up physically a little bit in these contests in order to get any sort of foothold. And, you know, losing early goals against them and cheap ones at that, you know, I mean, it was, you know, you you just can't do that. It's too difficult. You know, you give yourself a mountain to climb. The, but the, the worst thing you can do against top opponents is, is give them a head start. And the first goal was a head start, really, I'm afraid, you know, and that just gave them, that gave them everything that they needed to get in their stride and start expressing themselves. And that's exactly what they did. So, you know, they are, we were architects of our own downfall in that respect. But on the other side of it, I still can't, you, you can't get away from the fact that they've got much further superior players than us all over the field. So, you you know, that, so much as you want to be critical and we should have done better and all that sort of stuff, you know, they, they don't expect to lose to Crystal Palace and we shouldn't expect to beat Chelsea or take points off them. But, but, but likewise, even, even accepting that, and I do accept that, Selzy, um, mm. Roy was given that option. He was given that get out. You know, they're better than you, Roy. What, what, what was the, you know, 
what could we really have expected other than this? Was it just one of these days? And his response, I thought, was was quite honest. He said, possibly, but I don't accept that. We're in the same league. We need points. They need points. We maybe need to accept we can't quite go toe-to-toe with them, which is what you just said. Yeah. But we need to have enough belief and self-respect to do more than we did today. The first half was nowhere near good enough for us. And that is the key. You're, you're right. You have to summon a performance. You have to summon some kind of way of of smothering a team that that is that good and in that first half we didn't smother them we actually just lay down and said stampede all over us we don't mind we're going to do anything about it you're not gonna you're not gonna get that athletic in your face performance when the likes of gyro and ezzy who are two of your four midfield players are going through the motions and but then the valid question from that is we sure if we can recognize that and we know that and we've spoken about it enough if we recognize that is it not? Is there not an onus on the management to recognise it as well and realise that actually this might be an occasion to make that bold decision and to well, to, put, to take him out and and put Schluppy in and put McCarthy in and give a bit. Well, of we, I can say that you you know that's a fair point, Don. But also, as you said earlier, if he dropped both of them before the kickoff, it would have been outrage. Yeah. It would have been outrage. And if we'd lost three 0 to them today, doing that anyway, why do you change the team for? You know, yeah, you exactly. can't. You know, hindsight is. You know, everyone can be capped in hindsight, can't they? You know, but it, it, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've conceded a lot more goals this season. I think Andros Townsend, much as he's got his detractors, I think my brother gave me a stat that he'd won or attempted more tackles than any player in the Premier League or something yep. over some period recently. This season. And most of any Palace player. Most of any player, Jim. Any player. Really? Any, any player, player right, in the Premier okay. League. Well, that, wow. that underlines my point about how hard you need to work out of possession. Yeah. And, you know, don't don't be mistaken into believing that if they're Manchester United or Manchester City, they just stroll around and pop the ball around. When they haven't got it, they don't give you very long before they're in your face and getting it back off you. And that's, but again, we're not a young athletic team. I don't think that can play like that, really. I don't think we've got the personnel to to do that. And I think that's where we're going to need to, you know, you need more pace in the team all round, snappier, sharper into, into tackles, quicker with the ball, quicker moving the ball, quicker on the counter-attack. We need more pace in our side. I've said it to you before the season started. You know, Ismail Assar, for example, is an absolute speed machine and you get him the ball wide, he carries the ball 40 yards for you quickly. You know, Yannick Balassi used to do it for us in these games and be a handful, even against the top six clubs, for all his failings, Yannick Balassi was an absolute handful to play against and very difficult for them to to compete with. And that's what I'm saying to you about what Dom's saying about Roy there is he's he's saying, yeah, we know all that. We know they're better. We know that. But we need to compete. But that means that you need athletic players that are going to going to try and temper or, or maul the, the or suffocate the, 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 the extravagant talent that they're up against and then hope your extravagant talent is going to turn the tide. There's no other way to do it. To use a boxing analogy, if you go toe-to-toe with him, you get knocked out in the first round. You know, the only way you do is spoil the fight and stay in it right to the end and hope you get your chance to land your knockout blow. That's That's the reality. 
my brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey, hey. got there in the end. Uh, so that part two was our uh, patron pod clip, and uh, it's a very, very good episode. The post Chelsea one, so I recommend listening to it. Um, in part three, Kevin, mm. Palace have announced their finances for the previous financial year last week or this week or this weekend or something um we w- i was going to get andy street to come on and and talk about it and give it uh, an explainer i decided that was too boring mm. so i've told him not to bother but what we've done instead because you and kieran Maguire have covered it on your excellent price of football podcast uh this week uh guy who's the producer there's very kindly said i can borrow a bit of that audio and drop it in now so this is kieran uh explaining the palace uh, finances and it sounds like Okay, news. Um, Crystal Palace have released their latest figures. Is there anything of concern? And before you start, Kieran, can I ask you to remove your Brighton hat? Because there were some Palace fans, I'm afraid, who took umbrage yesterday at being advised by a Brighton fan that there may not be anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I was a bit confused by that. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> I, you have to acknowledge that all football fans have their share of numpties, Kieran, and unfortunately, some there are some Palace fans who won't take good news from a Brighton fan. It's as simple as that. Yeah, but this this was brought to um, my attention by by a mutual friend of ours um, who who's a Palace fan, um, and it, it, they haven't actually published their, the accounts. Um, it was it, it was sort of hidden away at the at the arse end of the website, but there's there's a couple of pages. And um, you know, the good news is the the, the income stood up for twenty nineteen twenty. It was more than West Ham, for example, which I think might surprise some people. Although it does include the full Premier League season, because yeah. Palace and, and I think they did this very sensibly. Um, they they extended their accounts to the thirty first of July, so therefore that included all thirty eight games from the Premier League last season. Whereas those clubs that have only gone to the thirtieth of June only got 31 games um they they did lose quite a lot of money but again looking at all of the clubs in the premier league um the, the total losses are now running up to 1.1 billion pounds yeah for 2019-20 so it, it was it was nothing major to uh to be concerned about i think the results will be better this season despite the fact that we've got no people attending matches and the reason yeah, they, they will be better, is, is that the clubs have now got more of a, a control over costs. Um, they, they had £58 million of cash in the bank account at the 31st of July. Um, you know, that's that's uh, you know, not too shabby. Um, you know, a producer guy would 
you know, probably sneer at it. But <laughs> you know, for the rest of us, we'd, we'd be quite impressed. So there we go, Kevin. That was uh, you and Kieran uh, discussing the finances there. There's a li- there, there is a bit more on that. I've only used a tiny bit. So if you want to hear more from that, do listen to the latest Price of Football podcast uh, on wherever you get your pods are or whatever app you're on. Do go and listen to it. There's a bit more uh, from the two of you there. But the overriding message, despite, what is it, £58 million losses, I believe, yeah. is actually one that in the grand scheme of the Premier League, it's, it's, it's about right. Yes, I, I didn't know whether to be proud or ashamed of the Palace fans. So I, I tweeted before the pod that we would be discussing the Palace statement with Kieran. And Kieran, of course, supports uh, the seaweed. Uh, and for every one Palace fan who tweeted, oh, that'd be interesting, I'll listen to that. There were three going, I'm not doing a care. Who cares what that Brighton bastard's got to say about Palace's finances? He'll probably lie anyway. So, no, the, the, it's it's actually good news. I mean, it sounds solid. Um, Kieran says they're probably better than you'd expect. Um, there's an accounting thing because we took advantage of the extra month. So there, there are accounts over 13 months rather than 12. He said the only real worry is the, the 93% it go, is on in, is of that money is on income is on um, um, which is a right. which is a bigger figure than a lot of <laughs> clubs. But he he said Palace. Uh, he, he's actually been quite full of praise for Palace because he said there was a time fourteen fifteen when our finances were a mess, and he said the the club of um, it's not been pretty, but the club have actually redressed that. Uh, so our finances are in pretty decent shape but as we've discussed at the end of whatever that last part was <laughs> two for some of you three for others just I know, occasionally you just throw a tin of alphabetic spaghetti up in the air and see what comes down don't you basically yeah. but uh, um the, the the summer the summer business the summer contracts thing is going to be is going to be interesting but I, I think the big question that we all want to know is and we won't until summer is whether that should leave Kieran reckons it should leave some leeway for investment in players but it's it's certainly not as bad as um, and I think the combined loss Kieran says between all no no Premier League club's going to make a money this season Man City lost £79 million I think I think the combined loss between all the clubs is something like £1.9 billion in the Premier League so profit or loss is kind of immaterial in the last year getting through the pandemic but of course the next two this is why it's so important to stay up because the next two seasons will still be really adversely affected by the pandemic so which is Again, another reason, and I know Jesse spoke about well, why I think Steve Parrish might be cautious when it comes to changing managers. I think the next two seasons, the really, really important thing is not how attractive the football is that we play, it's whether we're still in the Premier League. But yeah, the finances are, are all right, actually. That's, that was a relief because I was slightly nervous talking about it, but it's a relief to discover that um, sound and solid are the words that Kieran used. Well, that's very good. Uh, coming from a Brighton fan, actually, that obviously uh, that that wasn't easy for him to well, say. Well, to, to be fair, he's much more matured about these sort of things than I am. Really, <laughs> he, he he's literally of the it's just another three points brigade. Although he didn't feel quite like that minutes when <laughs> I when I texted him seconds after Benteke scored, <laughs> didn't seem to be just another three points at that moment. But there again, as he pointed out, it was probably childish of me not to wait at least three minutes. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. So the whistle was still reverberating around the MX when I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. Well, then you check out check out Brazil football for uh, not just you know Palace stuff. Finances across the world of football. It's a very, very, very insightful podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, big story on our growth this week. That's a good story. Story on what? Our growth. We had our growth and Real Madrid this week. That's the that's the level we cover. <laughs> In what other podcast <laughs> would you get Real Madrid and our growth together? You just wouldn't. Well, this um, one, obviously. Right, let's take a quick break because after we've got a lot of questions from our listeners. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part four of the Five Year Plan podcast. Sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Um, Right, a lot of questions to get through. So let's see how many we can do. Uh, We've got a couple here on Ben Teke. I mean, obviously, we didn't really mention it in part one. Did score a goal for us on Saturday uh, and seems to be going through a bit of a purple patch. Arguably his best patch since that first season uh, when he scored 17 goals after arriving from Liverpool. Um, PC Wires says Ben Teke. Hi, PC. Um, Ben Teke has refound his scoring form. Palace lose 4-1 in the two games in which he scores. Is this a definition of typical Palace? (laughs) <laughs> I think it probably is and then someone else who actually I've lost their name so I apologise has put Benteke transfer fee equivalent to roughly £1 million per goal scored in the Prem good value for money Jesse is that good value for money? <sighs> oh so here you go so he's apparently on one side you can say he scored 7 in 12 right that sounds great mm. on, the, on the other hand it's his first home goal of the season mm. so it's like you don't know what the, it, relatively he's had such a bad patch over the last two or three years anything he does that's sort of half decent looks very decent for him right now but come on we need a striker who's scoring his first home goal of the season before April you know <laughs> I just think that how low of our expectations come of Penteke that he only really when, where does his 7 and 12 come from does he really want that contract you know, is he really working that bit harder? Is, he, is his sense of urgency just um, automatically sort of been triggered by by what's going on contract-wise that's, that's been spoken about already? I mean, I, I'm feeling it's getting to the point now where uh, offering Benteke a contract is looking like a no-brainer because where else are we going to get a 7 in 12 kind of striker for free? Um you know, it's just it is reaching no brainer to kind of give him give him a contract. I get that, but at the same time, I feel we should be expecting better of our first choice striker. And then you see Mateta is like he's not getting off the bench, mm. having having given us a little bit of optimism against Brighton and so on. So I don't know really. I just it's just it, it makes me feel like we just really need to just start thinking ahead because I just. I just still, I'm in disbelief that we've still got Benteke on our books, if I'm honest. If it wasn't, 
Go on, go on, Kev. I was going to say, to me, I, I agree with you with Mateta, and I'm sure Roy will say, well, you know, these players take time to get used to the pace of the Premier League. But if if Eze is getting used to the Premier League on the pitch, I don't see why Mateta is not getting used to the Premier League yeah. on the pitch. There's no logic there to me. There's no logic that Batshuayi, who we know can score goals, and he wouldn't have started even if he was eligible on Saturday. But <laughs> if you want to defend Benteke, and a lot of Palace fans still do, look at the Brighton game, one cross in the box, he scores. Chelsea game, one cross in the box, he scores. Tottenham game, one cross in the box, he scores. If we play to his strengths, he scores. But again, we've got a player on the pitch, and we're not playing. We're not changing the way we play to include him. Yeah, it's, and we had this argument about Batshuayi last week, but we don't change the way we play to to bring yeah. Benteke into the game. It comes back to that we are we're going to play four four two or a version of four four two, come what may. But yet when we do, and probably accidentally change our tactics to bring these players in, they score goals. That's so. If you're Benteke, you'd be you'd be sitting in the dressing room, I imagine, or saying to your agent, "Tell them that when I get the ball in front of me in the air, I score goals." It's it's as simple as that. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, Benteke really is probably doing his job because he doesn't get that often that many chances to do it. But when he does, recently, he has been doing it. I, I find with Benteke, it's sort of romant- romanticism comes into it a bit because I still see that player that we signed in 2016 and who was absolutely fantastic for us. But as you say, Kevin, we did play the way you know, we played to his strengths and and we benefit- benefited from it. Mitchy, I'm Mitchy, I'm not convinced about this time around. I just don't think even when he has played, he's really offered. He just looks a different player to the player we signed two years ago. And it's well, when just, has he played? He hasn't started yet, has he? No, he had the run at the start, didn't he? And he had a couple of offside goals, which right. admittedly he was very unlucky with. But um, I, I think Benteke has offered more. I, I actually would like to see Mateta play. I think your point about Eze versus Mateta is, I hadn't even thought about that. I think that's, that's very, very fair. I mean, Dom did say on the post-match pod that Mateta's people had alluded to the fact that they're not expecting him to play much this season and that next season is he's expected to feature more often. So this is a kind of a bedding in period. But with Palace on enough points now to stay up, would it be time to see a bit more from him? I think it would just be a bit more bit exciting, you know, a bit yeah. of fun to see this new player who obviously started off. You don't get better than a back back heel goal on your first start at Brighton. I mean, it literally doesn't mm. That's legend status almost already. So it's a back um, heel double nutmeg. Back yeah. heel double nutmeg. But, first touch. But as, as, yeah. but, as Jess, but as Jesse was saying, he, he looked really good in that first half against Brighton. There aren't many other teams that would go. Well, he scored a back heel double nutmeg. Was we won't pick him then for the next game. Seeing, seeing as he's in the minority of Palace players who've got a contract next year, it might be a good. <laughs> It might be a good idea just to uh, play him, seeing as he's guaranteed to play next year. Well, let me put this question to all three of you. I'll go to Mike first, but I'll put it to the other two of you as well. It's from Ollie Browett. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Ollie. Ollie. Um, He said, who should be starting? These are his words. Teckers, JP, or Mitchie? Mike. (laughs) Gut says Ben Tecco. I think if we're going to carry on playing 4-4-2 with Wilf, and I think Wilf is almost the, the sticking point of why we're playing a 4-4-2. I think Benteke is his best foil. Mitchy played and scored his goals in a, as a lone striker in a 4-4-3 or 4-3-3. Mm-hmm. And, and we've not played that. And he's not, I don't think he's set up for a 4-4-2 personally. And I think the Mateta thing, I think we got him six months early because it was either that or miss out on him in the summer or, or get the deal sorted earlier rather than later. And he's one for the future, um, which is, if he's, his people are to be believed, I think that's what they think. 
13. But it, for me, in a 4-4-2, I think if you're going to play Wilf as the, the other striker, I think Benteke starts for me. So, and you, so you'd, you'd offer Benteke a new deal? Uh, I'm, I'm a, of the opinion of, like Jesse, how much is somebody going to cost that's going to score 10 goals a, a season on a f- free is going to be unlikely. So who, have we got the money to buy somebody with Benteke's experience as much as anything else? Um, is there a, an argument that he's he's playing for a contract, hence why he's got the seven goals? Who knows? And I think there's there's an argument there from is that maybe how they're managing it. But I think it's going to be tough to find someone who will give you that sort of uh, sort of player for, on a free, who, who's who's going to be available in the summer on less wages than him and with no money up front. Kevin, Tekkers, JP or Michi? The, the trouble with this debate is it, it presupposes that we're starting 4-4-2 every game, hmm. which we are. Yeah. So my argument, I, I frankly, you know I'm a massive Batshuayi fan. We've got a proven international goal scorer who's picked for the world's number one ranked international team every squad find a way of getting him in a team that's you know but we can't because we play 442 or a version of 442 because we everything's based around keeping wolf in the side it's as simple as that as mike said it's all based around keeping wolf in the side if you're going to play benteke and again i would keep him i'd i'd been saying for a long time benteke and batchway and if you play for i just wish we would be a bit bit more honest just play a 442 if you if you want to play 442 stop wrapping it up just play 442 and like bernie do it doesn't always yeah. work but they just play a 442 put benteke and batchway up front together yeah, they've got a relationship. They get on really well. They, 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 Martinez loves them both at Belgium. But yeah, is yeah. the answer to the question because we know he's the answer to the question. There's no point <laughs> saying anything different because we'll all be wrong. Yeah. I think we have played them up front together. Didn't we? Didn't, wasn't it the Newcastle at home game they, they started? Yeah, it's disastrous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, we, that was at a bad time. Mike. But we didn't have Wolf, yeah. did we? So, no, we didn't. So that, that's so true. It was, yeah. it was it was almost forced on them, and and then yeah. you, you lose that. Well, what, what would have happened if Wolf had been on the left hand side there that night? And I, I just think we would have played four four two if we if he was. That's, that's <laughs> we would have done, but he'd have been the other striker. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I I just genuinely think that. Um, that's why he's just used to playing as the lone striker with either three behind him in a in a sort of four two three one type formation, which they play at uh, at Belgium uh, for Belgium, and he's just used to that. I mean, he, not a classic English four four two scenario. Well, also he's got Kevin De Bruyne behind him at Belgium. Kind of helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a, a big and problem, I suppose. Couple of hazards. And... A couple of hazards. Yeah, fair, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I take it all back. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, uh, not quite Jimmy Mack. Yeah. It's not quite, no. Uh, J- J-Dog, uh, Tekkers, JP or Mitchy then for you? Tekkers, JP and Mitchy sounds like the headliner at Brixton Houston then. I don't know. I've been there in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like some sort of um, cult band I've not heard of that I should have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Brown might give me a heads up on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Enders, Enders looks after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> forgets where he is occasionally, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely in the camp of thinking we probably could have done more with Batchwright this season. I just, you know, I don't see how he's become so redundant. I just don't yeah. get it. You know, he's, Sod's Law is going to end up starring in the Euros or something and then it's going to become even more clear that we didn't make full use of his 
assets this year. So, and then, yeah, with Benteke, I feel like, yeah, he is probably playing for a contract, but he's also playing to get in the Euros squad double. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then J- JP, I, I think we've, we've kind of covered that, right? He's, he's here for 18 months, but they're going to get him in and just probably give him a bit more of a starting role next year, I imagine, depending on who signs with us. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, we've got a few games left. We're pretty much mathematically safe, aren't we? Probably just need one more point. So I feel like we should we should experiment a little bit. I think Mitchie and Benteke would be interesting. And I think Rob said on the post-match pod, if Wilf, if Wilf was to stay on the wing a bit more, that would be really interesting to test that out. So uh, I'd, I'd be in favour of that. Let's mix it up and just see what we can do, combining different players and different um, combinations with the, with the games that we have left. And then we've got the new, we should probably, I don't know if you're going to give him a mention, but the so Raksaki who, um, yeah. mm-hmm. is on the bench. Like, Let's give him some game time as well, mixing yeah. it up with those players. So no point in just persevering with the same uh, team sheet like this for the next few games. Let's mix it up a bit with a, a, a kind of combination of all of the above. Yeah. Lovely. Can I, can I put a request in that we come up with a better nickname for him than JP? We've got, we've got this beautiful, fit young man who's got the same nickname as Jonathan Pierce. Oh, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's quite right, really. I think we need a, we need a more glamorous nickname for a more glamorous player, don't we, than, than JP. But, right. but Jesse's quite right. Yeah, we, are, we are safe. There's no two ways about it. So let's, let's try a few of these players. Let's try a few more combinations because you can't get worse than it did on, it did on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, Raksaki is a good shout as well. I actually haven't got any notes to mention him but obviously was on the bench has been fantastic for the under 18s recently and, and i has just today they've announced although i believe it had been wrapped up for some time that he has signed a professional contract at palace as well really? so none of these rumors are going to germany or, or anything like that mm. does um, anyone anyone know where ferguson is on his way to fitness he's had another setback, another setback apparently right, yeah. according to, right. to dom and matt yeah so not um not particularly great news there um but Hopefully, we will see Raksaki maybe before the end of the season. Yeah, and yeah, as, as Jesse says, some, some sort of combination um, would be great. Um, we've done my usual thing of we've, I've said we'll write a few of the questions. We spent ages on the first question. So I'll try and get <laughs> more in really quickly before we do. Just a yes or no answer to all of you. We'll go to Jesse first. And this is completely random. So forgive me for it, but it's linked to the Twitter activity on Saturday. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no, Jesse? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I've got more of a problem with chicken on pizza, but um, you know, this 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 could this could go on forever, couldn't it? So that wasn't a yes or no answer. Let's just say yes. Kevin, I I really upset an Italian chap the other day by telling him that I had a risotto sandwich for lunch. So <laughs> I'm going to get my way back into the Italian nation by saying no pineapple on the pizza. Risotto sandwich sounds like the band that uh, Tekka's J- <laughs> the album Tekka's J- <laughs> Um <laughs> So, uh, Mike, pineapple on pizza? Hell no. Hell no. I did nearly um, rethink my uh, participation based on that, uh, <laughs> on that discussion <laughs> over the weekend. Um, but I have yeah. to be very careful because the other half loves pineapple on pizzas. So, well, yeah, yeah mm. as we all know, it's the way forward. No, I got very bored. <laughs> I got very bored tweeting on Saturday, so we, we uh, but I opened Pandora's box a little bit there. But there you go. Uh, we've covered that one. Um, Stephen Goldring. Hi, Steve. Is it time to drop PVA or 
Patch Armhole, as my kids call him, which I think I might actually name this week's pod. Sounds like sort of a Robin Williams character or some sort. Um, time to drop PVA for now, Kevin. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, I, I don't. Is Mitchell fit enough to play? I think it comes down to that. Really, I, I don't know. I, I would. I would say yes, 100%, were it not for the fact that in the last couple of seasons, this is, is the last six or seven games, not so much last season, but the seasons before that, the PVA kind of comes into his own a little bit when we're safe. He, he he's, he's more secure going forward, which is what he wants to do. But I, if, if Mitchell was fit, I would, I, would, I would 100% say Mitchell's the future. I, I don't, PVA just doesn't want to defend. He's just not a natural defender. I, I still think there's an argument for pushing him forward. There's an argument for having Schlupp as a left back. I don't know, but we, we've got a problem down that left hand side. There's no two ways about it. And what well, to be fair, we've got a problem with with Wardy. I think Wardy's had until Saturday. I think Wardy had done really, really well mm. in the last six or seven games. Really well, in the last six or seven games. Not to the extent that I think he should be our starting right back next season, but. I think I think that's we all know the areas that need strengthening and fullback is is two of them. Uh, Mitchell will be our starting fullback next season. I think I think PVA needs to be taken out of the firing line a little bit because when he doesn't when he makes mistakes they really are there. When he doesn't look only Wilf sometimes looks less like he wants to play for Palace than PVA sometimes. <laughs> it really stands out, you know. And and Saturday was a, was a, one of those games for both of them basically. Yeah, Mike, it was uh, it was very telling when Schluppy came on on Saturday and suddenly that left side started to look a bit more like a normal left side. And I just think I just think the future is uh, Mitchell left back and then either Eze or Schlupp, isn't it? So really at this point, and his contract's up in the summer, it's time to say goodbye really, isn't it? Well, it comes back to that. <laughs> Does he really want to be there if, if the uh, request or his... Um, wage demands are to be believed then he's really not worth what he thinks he's worth I think he's been lucky that Mitchell has been injured otherwise I think he would have been outside I think Mitchell started for the under 23s this afternoon um, so he's obviously on the way back and I think I think he is the way forward um, you've got you've got obviously a, a need to bring somebody else in if Ferguson's not going to make next season now because he played 50% of his time at West Brom on the left um, in the fullback position. So there's, there's cover there. Um, it's whether it's who gets the, the contract out of Klein and Wardy for the other side, but we know that both of them are quite capable at, at left back. But I think PBA's served his purpose. He's run his contract down. He's obviously looking for more money. Um, and I think everyone would rather see Mitchell start. And I think that gives uh, as a, that slightly firmer, ground to work from um and i think schlup schlup just brings that little bit of extra pace that we're sadly missing um and that's why everyone sort of just notices him so much when he's when he's not not playing is that he's got so much more thrust you know that little burst of speed and the cross for the goal on saturday just sort of summed it up what we were missing really on that side um, and he can play left back as well so he's a versatile guy yeah, so yeah. i think if we can just uh see where uh, Ferguson is and I think we've, we're covered without PVA next season and if he wants 100 grand a week to re-sign that's not where we should be get, going anywhere near um, so if he wants to go to Turkey and sun himself which is allegedly <laughs> who's offering uh, the money then off he goes as far as I'm concerned yeah 
Uh, Jesse, are you are you a PVA fan? Um, yeah, I, I do like him, but and I, I do think he's more valuable in the attacking half of the pitch, which is not what you want from a defender. But that's that's kind of what we've how he's going to be remembered, isn't he? Um, and we've just seen the emergence of Mitchell. It's just an, it's a no brainer to just kind of concentrate on the future and uh, of that position. So I can't see there's any good reason to re-sign him, especially when there's so many other areas that need to be addressed. So many other players, he's so far down the pecking order of the priority list of who we need to re-sign. So I think this is it. This is his swan song. And uh, he might as well throw hell to leather and just get and bomb on forward and you know give himself a good send-off with a few goals because we know he's got it in him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him actually return to form in the last few uh, games. Some, sometimes a player asking for that much money and wages is not his way of wanting to stay. It's his way of wanting to go, mm. yeah. basically. Because yeah. yeah. he probably knows he's got one more two-year contract in him. You know, China China used to be the get-out clause until three or four years ago when the Chinese yeah. government fell out of love in, with football. And Turkey's one of the few countries that, that seems willing to invest in players past their sell-by date that have got a bit of Premier League cachet to them. So I think I think that's Van Arnold's way of saying, look, you don't particularly want me, I don't particularly want to stay here, so I'll ask mm. for £100,000. You can you can hand on heart say, well, we love you, but we can't afford it. But off you go, basically. Yeah, thanks, I think you, thanks I think for all, right. the, all the help. Yeah. Yeah, and some big goals along the way. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, which, yeah, he's, which, been, he's been he's, he's been a quite. If you look back, I mean, he's been a quality player for us. For yeah, yeah. without a doubt, he was a really he's one of those players that, that Allardyce bought him, wasn't it? The, the four mm. that came in, he's been and, he's been outstanding at times. Isn't he? Isn't he the the highest scoring left back in the Premier League or yeah. something along those since sorts he of lines? signed since, since he signed. signed for us? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. no fair um, play, but uh, all good things come to an end. Unfortunately, much like this episode is about to do in a minute because I've just oh. seen the time. Um, but before we do that, a couple more questions. Um, this one is on transfers. We don't have time to do transfers today, unfortunately. We will in the future. But I wanted to read it out because it's from a Mister Sembogo John Kayagulani, who. Hey, um, has says, who are our possible transfer targets who wish to sign for next season? Because uh, it seems like our conversion rate is poor compared to the other teams we compete with. Fair point. And worth a discussion at some point. But he ends up saying, thank you. I'm from Uganda. And I, I think it might be the first time we've ever had someone send in a question from Uganda. So just to say hello to him. We will answer <laughs> the question at some point. But uh, Sembogo John, thank you very much for messaging in because that is it's nice to hear that we are reaching... Uh, all over the, the planet, really, Kevin. So yeah. that's, that's nice. Well, it's 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 also a brilliant illustration of how this pod works. We're not actually going to directly answer the question. <laughs> but we're, going to, we're going to point out where the question's coming from, which is... I just think it's nice to know where not, these... Yeah, yeah these I think we'll probably have to do a transfer special. But, it's, it's yeah, we've always talked about this before. It's like that night before the FA Cup final when <laughs> that random invitation to anybody who had nowhere, you know, no friends in town that were coming in from abroad and we ended up with 140 people from about... 60 different countries it's that's I, I, I'm always very proud to think that there are Palace fans all over the world listening to us wishing they were in Norbury or <laughs> <laughs> but it's true we are we represent we represent something for a lot of those people and it's brilliant it's exciting to think of people all over the world listening to us talk yeah. bollocks about Palace yep yeah. and it's, it's nice to hear from them as well so thank you very much for that tweet our final question then is from Ray 
Kalinouskas. Again, sorry, Ray. I think you're messaging quite a lot. And I think I butcher your name every time. Says, uh, do we need a different piece of paper? Do we need a different piece of Kevin's paper to cover cover the current situation? Kevin, every time we lose, we get a question about your paper situation. What, what is it? I, do you know what? I almost wished I had just done the piece of paper as normal <laughs> yeah. six games ago, so I could look at it and go, "No, we're fine." Because I keep yeah. having to remind myself that we are we are fine. I, I, it's um, there's no need for the piece of paper. That you know, I'm. Although having said that, if you come back in four games' time with two games to go, I might still be. <coughs> I might still think we need it. No, you, you, Fulham have only got six games left. As as Streety would say, it beggars all logic to think they're going to win more games in the last six than they have done in the previous uh, 32. Hmm. and they've got a tough they've got a tough run in. It's just. I I just don't want us to do what we did last season and just fizzle out basically because it does or well, actually doesn't as I could say it does go into next season but it didn't because we won the first two games this season so mm. it's just I, and again it comes back to the conversations we've had many times with Jesse about fans not being there because yeah I don't think it would have been allowed it would be allowed to happen that you know he would have had to make changes on Saturday after 10 15 minutes because the crowd wouldn't have allowed him not to essentially or it might be that the back four would have been more alert and more awake you know you scoffed at my theory about goalkeepers being dozy because there's no crowds and then look what mm. happened no I, th- I i would never scoff you at you kevin i would so, never scoff since you, had, since you had a book out and your confidence levels went through the roof just... <laughs> i wish my confidence levels what <laughs> <laughs> that feels like um well listen we're wrapping up the pod uh mike it's been lovely to have you on let me just ask you briefly though if you had a piece of paper like Kevin, would you be bringing it out or would you be confident that Palace are safe? I've been quite quietly confident for a while. Um, always always nice to hear that Kevin's paper wasn't required. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, a, it's not been pretty this year, but it's been very functional. And it's been points before pretty is my little saying. Uh, I think as much as we all moan about it, I think it's been magnified by the fact that we've not been at Sellers. We've not been able to get to the games and, and be part of it. Um, and we're dissecting every single little bit. Uh, video analysis is just thrown at us. And we were saying before we started, JD, it's going to be strange when there's not football on the telly 24-7. You know, you're getting up and watching four games on a Sunday. Is going to be it's going to be strange, but it'd be nice because hopefully we've been at Sellers the day before. Yeah, yeah. Um, can, yeah, can you um, hurry up? It's West Brom Southampton at six o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as you say, Kev, you'll be bored after fifteen minutes and be watching countdowns or, or I something. Will, I will, but you may, <laughs> I think that points before pretty is a very good mantra. But I, I suspect that 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 might be what we have to put up with for the next two yeah. seasons. Is what I suspect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've got so many names this week's episode. Patch Armhole. I know. Resort, Patch Armhole. Yeah. No, patch armhole. Go with patch armhole. Oh, is that or pineapple belongs on pizza or points before pretty? I mean, whatever. Yeah. Well, go patch armhole. Um, good. Well, look, Mike, thank you so much for coming on this project. Thank you for your support via Patreon as well. We do it's right. really, so it's really good really fun. It. And um, well, it's brilliant. And and all our patrons, we we appreciate your support massively. Uh, so thank you, Mike. Round of applause for Mike for his second appearance on the pod. Thank you. Great having you back on. Um, Kevin and Jesse as well. Great to see you as ever. Um, Next week there's no game, so but we'll we'll do an episode of some sort. We'll do we'll do something during the week and uh, to fill the void. Uh, yeah, do with one of your other brand spin-offs that you've got. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would never by, abandon. By the way, uh, 
Matessa's just scored twice for the under twenty threes, by the way. Oh, is he? <laughs> there you go. There's another name for this for the for the pod. <laughs> it's like he was listening. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the per- that is the perfect, perfect place to end. So, uh, Kevin, Jesse, Mike, thank you so much for being here. Pleasure, this week. The patron pod will be back. Oh, there is an episode of the weekend for the patrons as well. They're gonna we're gonna do a, a Roy special, even though there's no game. So, uh, keep an eye on that if you're a patron. And if you're not, go to patreoncom podcast to sign up. In the meantime, enjoy your week off from Palace and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.